Well, this morning we're in the second week of our eight weeks in the the prophet Jeremiah. And the subtitle of this sermon series is A Prophet's Conversations with God and the World. And if you read Jeremiah, one of the things that you quickly come to see is that Jeremiah is throughout this series of oracles, throughout this book, kind of standing in the gap, standing in the gap between God and his people and delivering a message. And we read in this book both Jeremiah's prayers to God and his proclamations to his people. We see him sort of being pulled in both directions. He, he is, I think, an example of, of what life in this world often feels like for a people of faith. We learn something about following Jesus as we look at the life of Jeremiah because living the life of faith in this world is about beholding and seeking to hold on to the divine and yet encountering those living in a world that cannot necessarily see that vision. And so the text today is about two visions that God sends to Jeremiah and asks Jeremiah to minister in light of these two visions. They will inform uh, his life and and his ministry. And we'll be looking at the second part of Jeremiah 1 this morning, verses 9 through 19. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. And the word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot tilted away from the north. And then the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall break out on all the inhabitants of the land. For now I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord, and they shall come and all of them shall set their thrones at the entrance to the gates of Jerusalem against its surrounding walls and against all the cities of Judah. And I will utter my judgments against them for all their wickedness and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. But you, gird up your loins, stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not break down before them or I will break you before them. And I, for my part, have made you today a fortified city, an iron pillar, and a bronze wall against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its princes, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Let's pray. Lord, help us to rest in that truth today and every day that you are with us. 
help us to live in an increasingly deeper awareness of the way your presence is manifesting itself among us. And then bring us into that space of confidence and boldness that grows out of the knowledge that we are not alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in reading God's twice-repeated question, what do you see, Jeremiah? In reading that, it called to mind the lines, really, of Acts 2 and, and Joel 2, where Peter quotes Joel 2 on the day of Pentecost and talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and identifies that work with seeing visions. Your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions, is the way the line goes. And when the Spirit is at work, people see visions. They behold the truth. And it's enlivening and and life-giving sort of truth to behold this vision, this this experience of of a promise or, or the work of God. But visions, quite frankly, have a downside as well because they can produce the fruit of a feeling of loneliness in this world. You see something that is from God and suddenly realize that not everybody is seeing what you see. And that can be a lonely experience. Seeing the bigger picture of God's truth often puts us in conflict with the lesser truths of this world that our world holds on to, the truths that in some ways have to be deconstructed and dismantled and and exposed as lies if we're ever going to fully participate in, in God's truth. What it means often is living in the tension of two conflicting and mutually exclusive statements of the truth. And living in that tension, quite frankly, is for us a lonely place to live. And such is certainly the case with Jeremiah. If you want to experience what it means to stand in this gap, what it means to live in that tension, then just read the life of Jeremiah and you'll see that. And right up front, God lets him know that that's the case, that that loneliness might indeed be the result of having God's word put in his mouth. Because God says to Jeremiah, this word that I have put in your mouth, pretty much Jeremiah is a two-edged sword. Because it's a word that destroys and deconstructs. It plucks up and pulls down. But it's also a word that plants and builds. People love the latter part of this promise. The part about planting and building. But for the most part, none of us really want to hear that and endure that initial part of this promise made to Jeremiah about how the word destroys and deconstructs and plucks up and pulls down kingdoms. But what Jeremiah's call is, is to help people wake up to what is weighing them down. And that call and answering that call is never really fun work. Because the pain of tearing down, the pain of deconstruction, of dismantling 
familiar things that we think we cannot do without is something that all of us would rather avoid. And so quite naturally, the people around Jeremiah didn't really want to hear it. But again, right up front, God tells Jeremiah the truth that this is going to be the case. And he does so by giving him two visions. One, a vision of hope, and the other, a vision that's a little scary because it's a vision of destruction. And he asks Jeremiah twice, what do you see? And the first vision he shows him is of a blooming branch of an almond tree. I don't think we have many almonds in western Washington. We've got cherries. <laughs> and it's kind of the same image that we're talking about here. It's the blooming branch of a flowering tree in early spring when the blossoms come out with a kind of magnificence and you wonder if there will ever be leaves on the trees as well because the blossoms just take over and have this explosion of life and color and this promise of a, of a coming spring. The branch of the almond tree blooms in early spring. It's one of the first signs of, of life blooming out. It's a magnificent display of color, of, of light before the green of the leaves come. We see it on cherries or, or dogwoods, but it's an overwhelming display of rebirth that points to good things to come. And Jeremiah is given a word play by God because uh, one of the things you need to know, and if you look at your footnotes in your Bible, you'll probably see this because you wonder as you read through this, Jeremiah says, I see an almond tree and says, Right, says God, you see an almond tree because that's because I'm watching over you. Well, how do those two things fit together? Well, the words for almond and watching are essentially the same Hebrew consonants with different vowels. A little bit of nerdy Bible language stuff here. The Hebrew language is based on verbs that are all three consonants. And there are vowels that fit with those consonants, but those three consonants, you know, determine what the verb is. And then nouns are formed out of those three consonants by adding things beginning and end uh, to those words and different vowels. But the word for almond in Hebrew is shaked, almond. The word for watching is shoked. Same consonants, different vowels. It's a word play. You see an almond, Jeremiah, and that lets you know that I'm watching. The blooming of the tree lets you know that life is coming, that I am watching, that I am holding, that I am caring for, that I am watching over my people. You know that I'm watching when you see that vision of the blooming almond branch. I'm at work, and I'm going to keep my word and I'm going to bring life and renewal and wholeness. But then comes the second vision. There's another part of my word that I will also keep, is what God says. So what do you see, Jeremiah? What do you see in this second vision? 
And he says, I see a boiling pot pointing away from the north. In other words, I see a pot filled with something really hot and molten, and it's pointed at Israel away from the north. And God says, that's right, Jeremiah, that's exactly what you see. Because the armies of the north will descend upon Israel and tear down the walls of Jerusalem and tear down your temple and melt what people think is something that is permanent. It's the image of invading armies that Jeremiah sees in that molten pot facing away from the north and toward Jerusalem. The image of invading armies from the north that will basically pluck up and destroy. And so God says, so tell them the truth, Jeremiah. Go to your people, go to my people and tell them the truth. Tell them the truth that I am watching and that life is coming. But tell them also the truth that their own choices to seek to worship the works of their own hands and to forget that they belong to something bigger than themselves. Let them know that that's going to deliver them into a place of destruction. Tell them both truths, the truth of the promise of life and abundance and the truth about disorder and destruction. Because the first thing cannot happen as long as the second things are choking off out life and they will need to be moved out of the way. It's amazing what happens when we're reduced to nothing. We come to find a place where we discover what's actually important and what we still have. And that's basically Jeremiah's message to his people. God tells him to tell both truths and to hold to those truths. And essentially God says it will feel like it's tearing you apart, but I am with you and holding you together. I think we all know it, but it's easy to forget that life is never just a series of ascents that lead to perfection. I think we all expect it to be that, that we're going to consistently be taking steps up toward what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do, and, and it will just be a, a never-ending ascent. Kind of a, an ascent toward a sort of joyous perfection that we'll get to. But just like the preacher in Ecclesiastes says, life is not that. It's a series of seasons. A rhythm of things that both grants and take away. It's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to mourn and also a time to dance. There's an ebb and flow in life, and we all know it. But there's also a constant in the midst of this ebb and flow, and it's the constant that we gather here each week to remind ourselves of, to reroot ourselves in. It's the constant 
That is that last verse of this first chapter where God says to Jeremiah, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And it's much like Jesus' words to his disciples. We love to hear the second half of those words, I've overcome the world. But the first half is actually very necessary in order to understand the second half. Jesus says, in the world, in the world, you will have trouble. I've joked that when you see samplers of this text from John's gospel, you often see, I have overcome the world, but you very rarely see the thing that precedes it. In the world, you will have trouble. I'd like to see a sampler sometime done in beautiful colors that just says, in the world, you will have trouble. (laughs) In the world, you will have trouble, but I have overcome the world, is what Jesus says. And as much as we would like life to be about sort of hitching our wagon to that proverbial star and letting it take us up, 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 it just isn't so. We worship on Sundays because we celebrate the resurrection. On Easter Sunday, we have trumpets because we celebrate the resurrection. But every Sunday is not a Sunday to blow trumpets. And frankly, trumpets hurt after a while. (laughs) Every Sunday is not a Sunday for trumpets. Because every Sunday we are not necessarily aware of the victory. We may be more aware of the tearing down and the plucking up on a particular Sunday. So it's important to hold those things together as in as much as we'd like it to be about the ever-ascending journey. It just isn't so because the ebb and the flow, the give and the take, the victories and the defeats will always be a reality. But here's the thing. All of these things, both sides of the equation, take place under the banner of God's steadfast love. They happen in the context of that big, big, big enduring truth that we were made by God for relationship with God. And that in the end, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So let's pray. Lord, help us to rest in the truth that you have made us an iron pillar and a bronze wall, even though it feels like we're lying in a puddle. Help us to remember that all of life is set in that context of having the purpose of being made by you for relationship with you. And so give us the confidence to stand and to know that you are holding on and that we are with you always, even to the end of the age. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.